0: morning everybody i'm i wasn't here for or didn't listen i guess to the announcements like the rest of you um i'm sure tanner mentioned what we're doing for next sunday um we've already recorded just kind of a i think it's less than 15 minutes I have a devotional thought, and then one song. my devotional thought is ten minutes um, only it's of course world changing um, so if you've got if you you can watch it at nine or any other time, um, but it'll be posted, i guess, or streaming, whatever you call it, um, at nine so you can assure little kids who are not spiritually minded enough to want to watch that before they open presents uh, that it won't last that long. There's hope. So, at any rate. (coughs) Then, of course, Saturday night, uh, Christmas Eve service. I can't remember. Uh, I know we're looking at some really cold um, days coming up. So anyway, um, still come out, I believe the Lord will meet with us. We always have a good service on Christmas Eve, and I enjoy it. This morning we want to conclude the four Advent um, themes, beginning with love, um, then hope and joy, and finally peace. And I, I want to just make clear to you that I am confident that I am not qualified, I'm not capable of doing a good job on peace. It is so permeating, Scripture, it is the logical end of love, hope, joy, joy. And peace, and it it is a subject that is hard to get our arms around. I'll do my best. I have a number of scriptures um, to read, and uh, that's okay. I was thinking this this morning or yesterday whenever. We read a snippet of God's word, which which is there's nothing as pungent, as probing, enlightening, revealing as God's word. And we read three or four sentences as ministers and then stand up and yak for 35 or 40 minutes. Far less pungent far less effective we fill that hour so it's okay to read a good amount of scripture Isaiah 9 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Matthew, peace and rest cannot be separated. They're virtually synonymous. Old and New Testament. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Luke one, seventy-seven. Jesus came to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Romans 15.33. Now the God of peace be with you all. Romans 16:20 And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. 2 Corinthians 13:11 Finally brethren, farewell. Become or be perfect be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. Colossians 1 19, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Hebrews thirteen twenty. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sea, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Two thoughts, two points under peace. One, the definition of peace. Peace is a state of tranquility and harmony. No dissonance, no discord, no turmoil. That's the, that's the negative, we could say, part of peace. Peace m- in meaning what it isn't and what it lacks. It's the absence of quarreling, conflict, bitterness, and so forth. It's the presence of, it's the positive side of the definition of peace. It is a sense of ease, rest, and balance. There is a a kind of peace which is, it will even be looked at medically in a lot of different ways when all systems, when all chemistry is balanced. You have health. When there is an imbalance, we have illness, sickness, I don't feel good. Peace, then, is a sense of really inner balance. Now, there are different kinds of peace. This is simple there's external and internal. External peace, of course, is between nations and individuals. How we relate to one another. The external is a product of the internal. The internal is the most needed, it is the most sought after. The human race exhausts itself, seeking maybe external peace, but mostly internal peace. That's what we desire, grope after, need, search for, and we never, ever find it because we always seek in the wrong places. That's what Jesus meant when he said, My peace I give to you, not as the world can give peace. The world can't give peace. The world's definition of peace is always dependent on external circumstances there's no there's no real searching that's ever successful based on external circumstances internal peace is the most needed the most sought for but it is Spiritual. It is not external. Now, I know. I, I feel the whole world does. Christians do. The people in the Bible felt pressure from turmoil, tribulation, difficulties, assaults, temptation from the enemy. The spiritual warfare that we're in. That is not a robber of peace. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Because I can have a deep place in my heart of rest. Isaiah talked about the waves of the the sea. He says they toss up dirt and grime but there is a deeper place at the bottom of the sea no matter what's raging on the surface where it's calm. That is internal peace only obtained from God. It's about eight or nine times in the New Testament. It's all in the writings of Paul. Only Paul uses the phrase the God of peace, the God of peace The God of peace. Interesting, one of the scriptures I read, it seems contradictory. The God of peace will do what? Crush and grind Satan's miserable head into the ground. That doesn't sound like a God of peace. Why? Because we have this limp-wristed idea, basically, of kind of a pacifistic notion of peace. We never are perturbed. We're never unsettled. There's no internal agitation. When you see wickedness, like the scripture says, come in like a flood, like we see in our own culture, we just say, well, I just trust in God. I'm okay. No. If you have good heart religion, you talk back to the television. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean you're just a dish rag, a, a limp wristed doormat. That's not what the God of peace will smash Satan's head. Why? Well, that's Paul referring in Romans to the very first promise God ever gave to the human race after the fall. He said, The seed to Adam and Eve. The seed of the woman will bruise or crush the head of the serpent. Why? The greatest supernatural being who is the disturber of the peace, Satan. Satan always brings discord, disharmony, disjointedness. He is the source of trouble. That's part of the reason the deep-rooted, and I'm using this correctly, hatred that God has for the disturber of the peace and any of his agents, which can be humans, who disturb the peace. We even have secular laws, kind of a catch-all. You can be arrested for disturbing the peace. So even when it comes to just quiet in the neighborhood, we understand that there is a deep value and something to be sought in peace. And anyone who disturbs it, is considered maybe arrestable or falls under the strong statement that God makes in Proverbs. Six things, yea, seven, doth the Lord God hate. And the last one is, he that soweth discord among the brethren. The devil is the chief, sower of discord and god hates that because he's a god of peace he's the god of harmony of rightness the peace then that god brings to us that this god of peace intends to instill into our hearts is spiritual It is completely unattainable without utter surrender to God. The world again seeks for peace. We have all these organizations we've tried to come up with over the years the League of Nations, now the United Nations. The United Nations is the most toothless, fangless, worthless outfit on the face of the earth. They amount to nothing. Why? Because everybody, and I probably am right, everybody from every country who gets sent there is depraved. They don't have inward peace because they aren't right with God. And if you're not right with God, you will have lack of peace for ever externally you cannot have and will not have external peace before and until there's internal peace our lives then are merely a reflection of what's going on in here this is why and i'm not going to get off here too far The first thing we ask with turmoil in a marriage, where are you at spiritually? And depending on the type of turmoil that's going on, I already know what the problem is, whether you tell me or not. And whether you say, I'm fine. Well, you need to know this. I'm a wonderful human being but I don't believe you. Where there's meanness and bitterness and cutting words and harshness, don't tell me that God dwells in peace and rest in your heart internally. But somehow all this external came out of nowhere, comes out of here. This is why other than the great shepherd of the sheep living in my heart through his spirit. Without that, there is no peace. Isaiah said, There is no peace to the wicked, ever. God's kept in our hearts a deep hunger for peace. Due to prevenient grace, his all-encompassing grace, he leaves in our hearts a deep craving for peace, tranquility, harmony. Harmony, in one way, is a it's a it's a musical term. Every everyone is playing the correct note, and there's harmony. I was watching a little thing the other day. Um, one of the kids in our church playing the piano with the, I don't know if it's a high school or whoever here in town, symphony. And I don't know how many, there were a bunch, 25, 30 musicians. And the girl from our church, incredible piano playing. But as you listen to it, there was one, and I talked to her later, and I said, I said, there was somebody squawking on a violin that was off. It wrecked the whole thing. And she told me, yeah, we know who it is. Harmony. We recognize disharmony like that. We seek it, talk about it, pursue it all the time. But we always look in the wrong place. God is the only, he's the God of peace. That phrase. And you know, the equal, about an equal number, eight or nine or ten places in the New Testament is also the phrase, we preach the gospel of peace. The good news of peace. Well, what's that good news? What, was the, what were the angels talking about on the night when they appeared to the shepherds? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Has God decided that He's not upset with us anymore, sin's okay, He's, gonna, he's gotten over it? No, not at all. God cannot, I have to be brief here, God can't say to someone just tell me you're sorry and it'll be okay. He doesn't do that. Why? Because the law that he laid down has a penalty. The penalty has to be paid or the law is gutted. We even see that secularly when we don't uphold the law, when we let people off and we don't enforce the penalty, what do we end up with? We end up with social chaos, crime out of control. God is the ultimate moral lawgiver and governor, and he cannot just say, oh, it's okay, the penalty for rebellion against God, mutiny against God, is death. It's death. It's not, you know, you, you get, it's like the cartoon I saw, sadly, is true. An attorney talking to his client said, they gave you, he said, I know they gave you 99 years, but he said, with good behavior, you'll be out by August. That's the problem. You know what? God doesn't function like that. It's death. Period. Then he said, I'll give my son to die in your place on your behalf so that now if you will come to me and say, I turn away from my rebellion. I run up the white flag. I swear allegiance to you, I repent, and I trust that because he paid the penalty, you now have the justification to forgive me because the penalty has been paid. If I make, as Isaiah said, his soul an offering for sin, not something I've done, he sees, it says, the Father, sees the travail of Jesus' soul, what he went through, and is satisfied in the counsel of God, the Trinity. God the Father, as the judge, is now justified. He's able, correctly, to forgive me because I put my faith in the one who paid the penalty on my behalf. Before that, he can't forgive me. He won't. Peace, then, is good news, and that's really what the angel sang on that night to the shepherds. And the whole notion from God is to us good news. There's hope. There's hope. Are you under condemnation from God? When we're sinners, we are. Our heart is troubled. Our conscience is troubled. But God sings to us. He whispers to us. He speaks through his word to us. Good news. There's hope. Tis music to the sinner's ears. Charles Wesley wrote, that there's hope, there's forgiveness. God, David said in the Psalms, is good, ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy to all that call upon Him. That's why Christmas is supposed to be A time of great joy, glad tidings, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. God is now inviting me to cease being his enemy. That's basically what, that's what the gospel is. Stop fighting God. (laughs) He's not your enemy. He loves you. He died for you. Why? To restore harmony. We don't have harmony with God. Nobody has harmony with God unless they have put their faith in Jesus, turned from sin, and walked with Him. Then we have peace. Now, this internal peace, basically, then, is based squarely on and only on rightness with God. We all know what it feels like to have a stirred up conscience. Your conscience bothers you. Let me just say this. I don't think I'm speaking at all today to any of you here. I know very few people who would fit in the category I'm going to describe. But it's a blessed thing. It's a hopeful thing. It's an encouraging thing. If God's eating you alive. You know that? If He's chewing on you and gnawing on you and keeping you awake at night, I pray, I've told you this before, I pray for people that are in our congregation, that come across our path, that that God is trying to reach. I pray that God makes you miserable. Nobody repents unless they're sick of the way they're living. That's God's job. Nobody else can do that. No preacher can do it. No husband or wife can do it. Nobody can get down that deep in your heart To make you miserable. The psalm says, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My moisture, my life is turned into desert. You've broken my bones. You know what? That's the happiest day of your life if God chews you up like that. You know the most frightening, hopeless thing is a person who, I hope they're just lying, but can say, my conscience doesn't bother me when they're living like the devil. That is, if not already at a seared conscience, it's one step away. And a seared conscience is a conscience that has been like skin burned, You feel nothing. The nerves are dead. When the nerves of your conscience cease to signal you, you're on the precipice of hell. So if God robs us of peace, thank Him. Thank Him. It's because He loves us and He's warning us He's pleading with us, don't go that direction. Now, there are distinctions of peace. The definition of peace, we've looked at distinctions. There are just two in Scripture. One, there is peace with God. That we find in Romans, <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verse 1. I'll read it. In fact, I'll read the paragraph. <clears throat> Paul's writing, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith, Into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We'll visit that scripture in just a minute again. peace with God is the end of rebellion. We are reconciled unto God. Prior to that, we feel like we are at enmity with God. And the reason we feel that way is because we are. It's not just a feeling, it's a fact. i probably mentioned to you this I don't know for sure but I used to hang around the back door at growing up my dad would be back at the back door shaking hands with people and I would hear lots of things that were interesting others could hear them too but I I don't know I just got into some uh, interesting stuff I remember a professor from the University of Oregon, wh- whacked, you know, wild hair, 60s, crazy. Why he came to our church, I don't know. I have no idea because he's, I, I still remember hearing him at the back door. Um, came up to my dad, he says, I don't believe one single thing you said. But he said, at least I know you believe it. That's how we ought to be as Christians and as preachers. Maybe they don't disagree. Maybe they don't like what we say and they totally disagree. But at least they know that we believe it. It's the truth. We don't have anywhere else to go. I also heard an old, well I shouldn't say old, I'll get myself in trouble. <clears throat> this woman came up to my dad at the back door and they had a pretty decent relationship Um, so there wasn't animosity between them she says every time and she was correct when she said what I'm going to say she said you know every time I come here she said you just make me feel like an old sinner and he looked at her and he says that's because you're an old sinner (laughs) it's not just a feeling it's God and he's accurate God has never misdiagnosed a case yet. And when He is stirring our hearts and troubling us and pointing out to us, you know good and well what you're doing and how you're living. And I saw that and I heard this. He doesn't misdiagnose ever. There's peace with God. And it is usually when a a heart reaches out And repents, tells God, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The first, virtually universally, the first change that we feel, immediately, can't tell you the number of times of people, I've sat in my office, looked at someone across the desk after praying with them, and asked them, what do you feel? just feel peace. Yeah, peace with God. I have repented of the very thing that has divided me from God, and I'm reconciled unto God. I don't know how you guys were raised, but we would get the We'd go for a while as kids, and there'd be a warning. Now, you knock it off, or, you know, you're going to get the ping-pong paddle. And there was some mercy. It was, you know, you do it again. Now, wait a minute. Finally, is D-Day. And it was okay. They get the ping-pong paddle. You know, after that dumb little rubber band and the ball disappears five minutes after you get the thing. Then it turns into, you know, um, an instrument of torture. Now, we would get spanked good. I mean, no one questioned, did I get spanked? Maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. We knew we got it. There was evidence. <laughs> and then you, you're left in your room for a short period of time. I don't know where my dad and mom were, but they were hanging out somewhere close by. Because if you got into the self-pitying, when the real bawling is over and you get into the, (laughs) they'd open the door, knock it off. That's enough bawling. Then, because a lot of that, by the way, is meant to make the parents feel bad. It didn't work. (laughs) It never worked. But that was never the end of it. Within minutes, they were back in the bedroom or whatever the case was. Listen. Now we'll move on. That's over. We love you. Hug us. Often pray with us. The air's clear. I Won't talk to you about it again. It's over. That Sunshine after the storm is peace with God. Enmity has gone. Now, quickly, there's a deeper peace. It's the peace of God. And frankly, I, I want to reread some scriptures, but it's interesting to me, and we need to pay very close attention to it, the close, close, close connection between the peace of God ruling and reigning in your heart and sanctification. So let me read this. Romans 5, 1, again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll go to the last Phrase of the fifth verse. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I can't go into a lot of detail, but the word given and shed abroad or spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, the love of God in our hearts, this, this passage, Romans 1, talks about the f- peace with God, and Romans 5, 5, talks about the peace as a result of the Holy Spirit being given. The word given is a particular Pentecostal term, not the denomination of Pentecostals. It's associated with Pentecost, that word given. It's, the, it's a peculiar term that is used for the Holy Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost. So right here, peace with God is linked to the Holy Spirit's filling my heart, baptizing me, and purifying my heart. Second scripture 1 Thessalonians five twenty three. may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of peace purifies our heart. Now, what does, what's that peace about? What's the peace of God all about? After we obtain peace with God in conversion, our sins are forgiven. The requirements to keep that peace is faith and obedience to God. As we walk with God, we will find nothing like the turmoil of when we were sinners, but we will grow aware of a divided heart. There is an undertow in my heart. It periodically disturbs the peace of God. And that disturbing of the peace of God troubles us and brings us to what God calls us to. I want to purify the old bent to sinning that you're born with because that's what's disturbing the peace. It's not the kind of disturbance or lack of harmony that the sinner experiences which is all out rebellion and all out enmity from God he's beating knots on our heads but when we are converted we will discover and this is the greatest this is the greatest need we have we'll discover cross-purposes in our hearts. I want to serve Jesus with my heart. I want to please Him. I want to walk with Him. And that is the overriding desire of our hearts. It It is a desire that is greater than and overpowers by the grace of God the undertow of displeasure with God and with God's choices. And when my prayers aren't answered, like, he needs to answer them. And my way gets is stunted. We begin to discover there is a disturber of the peace in here. That's what God wants to sanctify, to purify, to, with fire. John the Baptist said he's going to baptize with fire and with the Holy Spirit. The God of peace sanctify you. That's the number one need we have. As humans, not just as professing Christians. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all men. The word pursue here is the hardest, harshest word you can come up with as far as it, it literally means like a predator stalks its prey. is it isn't paying attention to anything else. It's just focused on that. Stalk, it says, peace with all men. And listen to this word. Pursue, stalk, peace with all men. And the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. That's the answer to harmony and calm and peace down in here in spite of all the warfare around us and the fiery darts of the devil. There's a deep peace down in here that we can retreat to. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant even Jesus our Lord equip you in every good thing to do His will, that's obedience, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. We had that deep rest I'm pleasing to God. Hebrews 11, they had all the heroes of faith. They had this testimony that they pleased God. That's the source of peace which the world can't give you. I'll quit. There's another couple verses, but I've made the point. I'm going to close by reading the words of an old hymn. I don't know, a few might have known it, or might know it. Um, There's just three verses, but it describes the deep down kind of peace that's a result of the Holy Spirit ruling completely in my heart. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort, sweet, near to the heart of God. A place where we, our Savior, meet near to the heart of God. Finally, and this describes the, both the requirement and the result of a sanctified heart. There is a place of full release. I'm yours, Lord. My agenda is... Is laid aside, thy will be done. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God, a place where all is joy and peace near to the heart of God. Do, do you in your own heart know that you have peace with God and the enmity? Demonstrated by living against God's will and violating His law. Has that ceased? Do you have peace with God? And deeper and fuller, do you know what it means? Full release. Lord, Thy will be done. Dear Job, I read it again yesterday. Though He, God, Though he slay me, even in this trial he was going through, if God kills me, yet will I trust him. That's the place of deep rest. God came to give us that. If we don't have peace with Him or the peace of God, God's command is not advice. His command is pursue it. Stalk it like you would pray. Pray. Do we seek like that? We can have anything we need from God if we seek it with our whole heart. But if it's an afterthought, Lord, bless these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the kids. And by the way, help me have more of you. You're not going to get anywhere. I've got to stalk it, I've got to go after it with my whole heart. But we'll get it. Let's bow our heads.
1: If everyone would look up real quick before I pray. Four weeks have gone by. The, the Advent season, if you will. God laid this on my heart just a moment ago, sitting there in my seat. These four weeks that we've looked at, have they had any lasting impact on your life? And I want you to think about it this way The first weekend, we talked about love. The second weekend, we talked about hope, then joy, and ended up at peace here this morning. Ask yourself this, as we've went through these last four weeks of hearing these messages this Christmas season, does that baby in a manger mean any more to you than what he did before? Is there a deeper understanding of exactly what God has done when he reached out his hand through Christ? Because if it has, I believe this morning, the pinnacle of this is peace. And my question, and I know Pastor Dan would echo the same thing, and so would Pastor Tanner, We want you to know that you have peace this Christmas season, but we want you to know that you're saved in Christ Jesus. That's the peace that we want you to have, is that peace that surpasses all understanding, is knowing in your heart that you're okay with God. Walking into this Christmas season, there's nothing more important than that. And I know there's people in this church that will tell you, do not delay because we don't know what tomorrow brings. So this morning, I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I'm curious to see in this congregation that we are in this morning, if you have peace in your heart and you know that you're saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm not asking you how you're doing. I'm asking you about the peace that you would have in your heart. Would you please, if you have that peace, that surpasses all understanding, knowing that I am saved by the blood of Jesus, knowing I'm not battling with God any longer in my heart, but I have that peace of knowing that salvation is mine. Would you please raise your hand this morning and show God your hand and show God that you know, you know, you know that you're okay with him. Thank you for raising your hand. One more question for you. If you have that peace of God that our pastor taught us this morning, if you know you've had that purified heart, you know you've had that second work of grace, please raise your hand high, letting God know that you have what he has desired for you most, to know that your heart's been cleansed of all sin because of what that work has been done on the cross. Thank you for raising your hand. One more question this morning for you. Please put your hands down. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe I'm saved, but I've not pursued this idea of knowing that I have the peace of God in my heart. If you have that desire and you're willing this Christmas season because of what you've learned about the last four weeks about what Christ has done for you and you have a deeper desire to pursue God in such a way going into this next year that you might have your heart sanctified and purified by the blood of Jesus and you know that you have the peace of God in your heart. If that is your desire to pursue that going forward this morning, please raise your hand. So that we can pray for you that God would help you to just have a burning desire to know him in a way that you've never known before and for him to know you in a way that's never been done before. Thank you for raising your hand. That helps us to pray for you. So let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. And we are so grateful, Lord, these last four weeks to look at what you have done for us. The extent that you've went to to redeem us back into a relationship with you, Lord, is overwhelming But man, Lord, we're sheep and we're going to leave this place this morning and we're going to walk out these doors and we're going to get back into the busyness of life, especially this Christmas season. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to our hearts in a way that you've never done before, especially after this morning's message, Lord, to know that we need to have that assurance that we have peace with you, peace with God and the peace of God in our hearts. So in the busyness of this year, Lord, as we look over our shoulders these last four weeks, help us to remember the love that you have for us, because it struck me, Lord, this morning that all these things are not found in something, they're found in someone, your love, your hope that you put in our hearts, the hope that we have in Christ, the joy that only you provide us, and the peace that you give us. Help us to live with these things in mind as we leave this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a great day, everyone.